All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Get the Net. We've got a quality show coming up. We've got the Bass MC, Dave Mercer, coming on. Uh, big personality in the sport. Going to have a lot of laughs and insight with him. Probably have a good a good conversation lined up. Uh, before that, we're going to get into a couple Bassmaster updates from the from the Bassmaster EQ and how the Derby scene's playing out. Got a couple good stories from down there. Got to touch on the whack fest that just ensued at the Dryden Walleye Masters and uh, whatever else comes across the plate. So I'll buckle up and we'll see you on the other side of the intro. Welcome to Get the Net, a fishing podcast that takes a deep dive into competitive events, fishing news, tips, tactics, and most importantly, interviews with some of the most interesting and in-tuned anglers from Canada to the central U.S. We're leaving no stone unturned to bring you the most raw and authentic talk talk. My name is Jamie Bruce, and while my resume says bass, my frying pan says walleye, I'm no stranger to the multi-species realm. Whether you're puttering on tackle, driving the bus, cutting the grass, or killing time in a 9 to 5, I'll try to give you something in every episode to take with you on the water, or at the very least, bring you a few laughs. Alright, good to be back in the saddle, finally have some some time to sit down and nail out another podcast. Really like doing these, um, reality is, you know, life, life takes over, so we do what we can when we can, and... Um, just kind of want to keep it that way. I don't want it on a schedule. I don't want anything to be forced. Um, you know, like having authentic conversations and, um, I feel like if I force it too much, that's not going to happen. So, um, thanks everyone for tuning in. I know it's been, you know, a week or two since the last one and, uh, yeah, lots has been going on. I just got back from you follow Oklahoma was that stop five of the Bassmaster opens elite series qualifiers. And it's pretty much the damn hottest place I've ever been on earth. Um, and I know people in Florida and Texas are like, well, I'll wait till you come down here. Well, no, thanks. That's the, that's my line. That's where I'm drawing her for, uh, for June on, um, had to talk to, uh, talk to a buddy from Sims the other day and get some, get some gear. I got a bunch of cooling gear coming. I told him I was like, this big rig ain't made for the weather down there, boss. And he, uh, didn't even wink and, and got her rolling. So thanks Pete for that should be able to uh, survive the fall at least down there went well down there uh just put out a video on you know kind of what's been happening uh from wheeler and ufala um that place was really tough i had a few practice days down there where i caught like three keeper bass and like just dying of heat um you know sweat pouring down your face just standing still no wind just like being on the surface of the sun it's a big party lake for like Tulsa. So everyone's ripping around just having the time of their lives. And I'm just standing there trying to catch a bass to keep my season alive. So ended up working out. Okay. Uh, ended up, I think I got 13th there and moved up to 14th overall, uh, putting me officially four out of the Bassmaster elite cut. Um, still four events left, so nothing to get too excited for, but it's within reach. Um, realistically, probably 30 or 40 people out of the 175 person EQ field have a, a realistic chance of making it. Um, so pretty much all it means is I made the short list for now and need to keep the performances stout there, catching them real good. So um, just one of those things, gotta, gotta keep it rolling. And I'm not really feeling the pressure yet or anything because I never expected to be sitting here to begin with. Um, but glad... Uh, Glad everything's working out. So 
Thanks. Uh, thanks everyone who's been following along with that. It's been, uh, been cool getting all the support from back home and, and, you know, I've had a lot of help from, from guys I know back home and, and elsewhere and sponsors and everything like that. So thanks everyone for, uh, for keeping the, keeping the dream alive. Uh, you know, it's been grueling with travel and, and, uh, you know, sleeping in the truck and, and counting your nickels and everything like that. And, and, you know, and that's, that's with getting checks. I've got three or five checks this year. Um, so like, don't know where I'd be without doing that. Mind you, if I didn't cash any checks, I wouldn't have a chance at qualifying anyway. So, um, you know, those checks just kind of remind you you're doing the right thing and yeah, keep, uh, keep that rolling. Hopefully either way it's, uh, it's been a good experience and, um, you know, one, I, one, I wouldn't trade for the world. So, so like I said, check out that Derby video actually on stray cast this week, uh, going to be sitting down with uh, points leader, John Garrett and another beauty we met on the road, Jancy Walter. So that should be a lot of laughs on there. That's on into the great wide opens. And let's talk about the Dryden walleye masters. Um, you know, a lot of you listening might not know where that is or what that is, but it's a big walleye tournament in Dryden, Ontario. Uh, I go when I can. I went last year. It's a great time. Really good fishing on the Wabagoon chain. And that place was on fire this year. Um, record weights all the way through. Uh, they just whacked. I'm going to I gotta pull up the stats here. Yeah, I got the stats in front of me here. And actually, it was back-to-back champs. Scott Abraham, Frank Lombardo. They won it last year. Uh, kind of just came out of nowhere. They have, hadn't been on my radar before. I'm not that entrenched in the walleye world, but... Um, they won, whipped everyone, and this year just absolutely dominated. They won by six pounds in a whack fest event that doesn't happen often. So obviously they're good anglers and and have it figured out. Um, whole slew of dingwalls in second and third. Weird. <laughs> They've each won it before. Really good anglers, always up there on the leaderboard. Brandon Cam Rennie took fourth. Chipman Brad wheeled in fifth. Scott Lebro, Mike Mackey sixth. Lonnie, Lonnie and Carissa. Yeah, yeah, some some really impressive weights uh looking at the list like all the way down to you know fourth or fifth usually wins it so that chain's absolutely on fire and bummed i i missed it this year i was on the surface of the sun down in oklahoma um but yeah they i mean they caught him all the way through my buddy john guzzi i can see him there in 15th matt bartlett he actually bought the old pro v bass for me and uh christender with the with the check 16th place Old partner from last year, Colin Barton, fish with Cliffy, wheeled up 17. And we got to give a big shout out to a fan of the show and a longtime supporter, Doc Cortons and Stephen Cortons. Wheeled in, grabbing one of the last checks there. Um, if you haven't fished the Wabagoon, definitely worth a look. Uh, may as well make a weekend of her, fish the Dryden Walleye Masters. It's Father's Day weekend every year. Incredible fishing. If you're not into a big tournament scene like that, there's the Dryden Tag Fish Contest. You've heard me talk about that before. Really great initiative. Lots of coin swimming around the lake, just an added bonus to an already incredible fishery. Lots of places to stay in dry and lots of places to eat. You kind of get that northern fishing feel with the comforts of town. So um, definitely worth a look and congrats to uh, to everyone that did well there. And and big shout out to the volunteers. They have a big tent ride and it's like the walleye version of the Bassmaster Classic. It's a good show and uh, yeah, always... Uh, Always a good time, so definitely worth a look. That's DrydenWalleyMasters.com. And before we pull Mercer on, just going to go through the list a little bit here. We're starting with Nordic Point Lodge. Uh, place looks absolutely phenomenal. Brand new lodge. You know, it's up near uh, Vermilion Bay, Ontario, on Cedar and Perot. Really high-end place to eat. Uh, they got premium fishing and, and you know, really good guides and folks that run that place. So 
definitely worth a look. And I mentioned it earlier, I got a new Lund Pro V Bass the other day. Uh, rigged that thing top to bottom, uh, you know, all with equipment from Lake of the Woods Sports. I've got all the high-end rigging gear and everything. But the Lund's an absolute beauty. They're an easy sell. You know, someone sees them once and the layout's just premium. It's, there's very few boats where you can compete in national bass fishing events um, and still load her up and with four people and go for dinner or run down the lake to the cabin. They got the flip-up seats, everything you need, keep everyone happy, keep the family happy, keep the angler happy. Lots of great features on those. Swing by WSL Sport, give Ryan a holler and uh, check them out. Any more questions on that, let me know. And I rigged that Lund up this year with uh, powerhouse batteries. You've heard me talk about them before. I just released a video on my YouTube channel, kind of a full walkthrough, put it out there to uh, answer all the questions I've been getting about it and ended up getting more questions about it. Everyone wants to know about the 36 volt single batteries, the 16 volt isolated graph batteries, the run and gun charger, the cranking battery that's got a built-in booster. It's a high tech system and it's been flawless. I literally didn't have to plug my boat in once the whole time I was in Oklahoma. I got a new quad lock mount for my phone uh, so I can pull up the powerhouse app while I'm running. The run and gun system takes the juice from your big motor. Once your cranking battery's topped up, it disperses it to the whole system until everyone's happy. Um, so by the time I went for dinner to Ash Rapids and back last night, everything was fully charged up. I haven't plugged it in since day two of the bass open down, down in Oklahoma. And, and even then I just plugged it in just, you know, for extra assurance. So check those out. I'll link uh, their website below and they're in stock at Lake of the Woods Sports right now. While you're there, check out the 13 fishing lineup. Lots of good rods in the lineup. The Omen are, are you know, tournament grade. I, you'll see in my Wheeler video that I was using it down there for the Smeltinator underspin. And, uh, you know, they, they run all the way up to the Envy series, which are absolutely phenomenal. Definitely worth a look. While you're there, check out the new VMC Redline Trebles. There's lots of new high quality stuff. And there's been a, you know, a, a real big increase on, on emphasis in, in quality product development. Um, you know, they got guys like Seth Fighter and Jacob Wheeler telling them how to do it. And then they've got really good, uh, you know, lure designers and, and everyone else figuring out the logistics and it's really showing. So definitely worth a look there. And, you know, I mention this every time, but check out BT fishing, the smeltinator jig, use that on the Z-Man slim swims to catch plenty of fish down south. Um, use the three inch minnows on Ufala to catch a couple of keepers. You'll see that in the video too. And got a couple of good ones on it in practice. So these little Northern finesse tactics are, are working good down south. And, you know, you may as well go to the source for it. <laughs> the most Northern tackle manufacturer you could probably find in north america so check that out at btfishing.com and he's probably already booked up but it might be worth a call uh crawford's camps uh, down in Sunaros, great place stay there all the time i've got a cabin out that way so i don't really need to stay at his place anymore but um if i were to stay anywhere it'd be there really nice high-end cabins Matt and Carly are great hosts, so check that out, CrawfordsCamps.com. But anyway, enough of the enough of the reads. Let's bring on Canada's fishing funny man. Mercer, you just wasted your big intro. We're going to play it with uh, three minutes of dead time because you're late. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. You were late sending the link, so screw you. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, but I, I actually didn't give you a very good intro. I just did from your Facts of Fishing show, Canada's fishing funny man. I don't know if they still play that, but that's all I think of when I hear your name. Yeah, Long time but never. it's all good. I, 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 I'm the guy who gives intros. I don't really need one, I guess. I don't, and not that people, you see, you got to be careful the way you say anything nowadays. When I say that, don't need one means I don't want, I don't have to have, 
people think him look look how arrogant Mercer is. He thinks he doesn't need an intro anymore. Well, whatever. So let's do this show, Brucey. What's up? Oh, you're waving the modesty flag already. I'm gonna pump your tires up. By the end of the show, you won't be able to walk out your damn door. Your head will be so big, probably. <laughs> but not much, bud. Just uh, just hanging around talking about walleyes. Uh, thanks for coming on, man, and thanks for bringing a nicer mic than than I have to uh, to show me up too. Well, I just used the same one I used, to be honest. I mean, it has nothing to do with this show. It's that other <laughs> show I do. But uh, no, so my technology is awesome. I mean, literally, you spend a couple hundred bucks, a few hundred bucks, you can get a really good mic nowadays. It used to be used to be a lot more expensive. But, like, I, it blows me away. That your mic's fine. But the amount of people that do podcasts and talking to a cell phone blows me away. Like, it's, it's technology is easy now. Yeah, the reason I brought it up is, you know, you know, doing a podcast, everyone you talk to on the other line has uh, has a cell phone or like it just sounds like they're talking through a damn bag of old Dutch. Dude, these guys fish the Elite Series. I mean, look how serious everything is. Like, I mean, everything is taken care of right down to the last detail, but none of them. None of them own a freaking, st- you know, that little stand you see at Dollar General or Dollar Plus, wherever you shop that holds your cell phone. None of them. I mean, every one of them takes their cell phone and is like, let me cram this between a plain old box and a spool of trilene. <laughs> and that's literally what, what we're dealing with. So to all the fine viewers of this show, you're, I mean, you're lucky you've got somebody like Jamie that makes it look so good. Oh, thanks, bud. Thanks for the tire pump right out of the gate. Um, good to have you on, man. I've been I've been excited. Um, glad you said yes to it. Uh, to be honest, ever since we uh, we met at the classic, I've been kind of like, oh, I got to get Mercer on. I got to get Mercer on. And I was kind of waiting for like a time where I didn't feel like I had to be fully prepared to do a podcast, like in in between Bassmaster opens, for example, because uh, you can just talk and carry a conversation and. And you know the game better than anyone, so I can just wheel you on and and Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Mercer. I got some notes. Um, and actually, I, I said I met you at the Bassmaster Classic. Well, I, I did meet you before. Um, I was 19 years old doing uh, I was doing like a, a prisoner transport, and and you had your your big boat. Uh, facts of fishing mobile pulled over in front of a subway in a tiny town in northwestern Ontario uh, heading home and uh, I just wheeled in I was like ah, I gotta say hi and I was shy back then too and I said hi and and you know fan of the show whatever and you ran back to your truck hooked the boys up with free cold cuts or what, whatever it was <laughs> like gave us gift cards and like stopped and talked for a while and and since then I've, I've been a big fan and uh, that's a that's a rare trait to find, uh, you know, to find in someone with with that much media presence and everything like that. So uh, I, I didn't mention that to you the first time I met you, but I'm uh, I'm glad that was the first run. And I, I'm glad I wasn't a dick. Mercer, I'm getting I shouldn't have pumped your tires so much on your mic. I'm getting a pretty bad crackle from it. Oh, my God. What has happened? Are, is it OK? Yeah. Yeah. We're perfect now, bud. Oh, OK. Good. I mean, too too many changes to the panel all at once. <laughs> you run all your own tech for your for your podcast and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I mean, I, I work with a great group of 
of guys um, to produce the TV show. Um, but as far as the podcast goes and everything, I mean, they, they've helped me kind of get set up, but I, I kind of run it all. Um, and just, and a lot of that's got to do with just my schedule as nuts as it is. Um, I like to be like, I don't think the podcast that we produce will ever be live. I mean, we get a lot of people that say, Hey, do it live. Um, but the reason we don't is because I can record at any time. You know what I mean? If I've been on the water all day and, and so, or, more importantly, the guest has been on the water all day and they can only record at nine o'clock at night. That's when we record. So um, I tried to make it as limble and limber and as easy as possible. So, yeah, that that means me being producer slash host slash guest booker slash bottle washer, whatever. But, yeah, yeah no, I run it all. It's a good show. Um, and we like it a lot. My my buddy and co-host on Into the Great Wide Opens, Brad Leitner, um he he never listened to podcasts before we started doing a podcast i was like man you got to tighten your drag like check out a few of these and and you know figure it out a bit and he's just he called me he's like mercer sounds really good <laughs> it's like yeah it's called a mic so you, you've wow. got the baseline now and since he started that thing man it's uh it's the you set the bar in fishing podcasts you don't wow. get to wave the modesty flag when that happens well, I, I don't know. We, it's a, we have a great podcast and we have great viewers and I'm thankful for everyone. But honestly, dude, I will be honest. The whole thing behind our podcast is it's a real conversation. You, you know what I mean? Like, I don't really like, I got swindle on this week. I don't, I mean, and that those are cruise control. I mean, it just goes whatever direction he wants it to go, but I, I don't, I won't have, a list of questions to ask or anything. I literally try to just have a real conversation with the anglers. And, and I think a lot of that's also, it's easy to say you're having a real conversation. Look how unprofessional I am. I'm supposed to turn my beeper off. I don't know if you heard that on my phone, but it's off. Well, now. I already got a phone call two minutes in, so we're good. It rang. All right. <laughs> but, but I think I get to spend a lot of time with the anglers and I have real conversations and, and that's literally all we try to do and i'm very thankful for everyone that that comes on the show and everybody that is part of the show and and tunes in every single week it was never something the, the style of podcast that i do is was never something i really wanted to get into but but i ended up getting into it and it's honestly of all the things i do it's one of my favorite things you know i i get to MC the bassmaster events i get to host a tv show but one of my favorite things is the podcast just because it's so real and genuine and it's, you know, we shoot it and the next day it goes on line and it's, you know, it's instantaneous. So you get real time feedback on things and, um, and good, good or bad. You know, there's times when we've screwed up on things and there's times when um, it's just good to get that feedback. I just like it cause it's real. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it shows, and it shows that you've got a history with most of the the anglers you have on too. Because if someone's like being shy and just wants to talk about their line and what color jig they're using, you just pry because you know they've got the juice down there, you know. Dude, and I feel for them because idiots like me. I mean, where I have no choice but to put it up. But they they, they can say, uh, "I am thankful for you know." Like we had Seth on a month ago, and Seth 
decided that he wanted to open up about some. And I swear to you, like, there's no like people are like, oh, you were prying to get no, like it goes in the direction the angler wants to take it. Like the and Seth wanted to open up about you know some stuff in the sport of fishing, cheating, and things that he's seen or or feels. And I am so thankful when somebody is that open, honest, and it doesn't have to be always a controversial topic like that because I get it. They get, they get in shit when they, you know, in some situations, but I also feel like it's, that's how the world is now. Like people have to be real. Like that whole, um, facade of, of what people were in the past. I just don't think it happens. anymore. it doesn't wash with anybody because you have to be real because we're, they have so much access to you. And so much, if you tried to make your show so polished and perfect, and I tried to do the same, people would see through it. And I think that the more real and genuine you are, the more people like that. And I, and that is honestly, you can ask every one of the anglers you talk to, like when people join the elite series and quite often they'll be like, what do I need to do more on stage? And I always give the same advice. I'm like, just be you, whoever you is. Be that. Uh, and if that's somebody quiet, that's fine. I mean, Seth Fighter's not that loud. Like, really, when you think about it, I mean, he's a pretty quiet dude. Um, not everybody's Matt Robertson, but if you are, be Matt Robertson. Or if you're Takumi Ito. Takumi's the perfect example because, dude, he has every single reason to fail on that stage. I mean, he comes fully equipped with it. It's a second language. You know, there's so many reasons he shouldn't be able to communicate on that stage, but why does he, why is he able to communicate? Cause he's freaking real. Like I, I've used the example a bunch of times in front of guys, but when Takumi took the lead for the first time ever on the elite series, he looked at the scale and he looked at me and he's like, I'm leading. <laughs> and he was so <laughs> shocked, but he said that on the mic and I swear to you, I mean, I've never led an elite series event, but I've been around a lot of dudes who have, and I'm pretty sure the first time you're leading, that's exactly what goes through your head. Like you think, uh, holy, I'm leading? What's What went wrong? Um, but I think yeah. somewhere between that going through your head to come, what comes out of your mouth is like, well, you know what? I did a lot of pre-fishing and uh, I was expecting a good day. Got to back it up again tomorrow. But by Takumi being real, people love him. And, and that is the best advice I can give anybody, whether you're on TV, whether you're on a competitive angler, whatever, be real. And that is what people seem to respond to, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, if he would have responded, I just ran that Skeeter Mercury up and down the lake. I ran that <laughs> up and down, you know, cast it out. That's Sunline floor carbs. You don't stretch. Like, he'd just yeah. be another guy, you know. He'd be your, your 1994 standard visor-wearing, hair-gelled, uh hot rod johnson guy but because he didn't you got you know and that and i think he kind of realized okay i don't have to put on that polish and and i don't have to do that now and now he's you know everyone loves him yeah yeah it, it and when you think about it like remove it from fishing and think of things that are really popular right now like just go in any direction you want joe rogan has the number one podcast in the world He's very real. His guests are very real. They have real conversations. Whether you agree with what he's saying or disagree, they're saying what they really believe. 
and literally when you go through industry after industry and you think of things that are successful right now, it's real and genuine things. And I think that's the biggest good thing that social media brought to our world. Uh, I think it's brought lots of bad things, but I think the greatest good thing is it's forced people to be more genuine, to be more real. Yeah. I agree with that. And, and, you know, I, I try my best to kind of take that route. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of at a different perspective than, than someone who's at the, the, you know, top of the industry like that, because when you're, when you're climbing the ranks, you're, I mean, there's a, every time you are yourself, it comes, it comes with a risk. And I'm, I'm sure you understand what I'm talking about. Um, so it, I mean, it, it is hard to find that balance. Um, and you know, at this point I have just kind of gone for it and stopped, stopped really caring as much about that. But, um, you know, you'll see it more at the opens levels where like everyone's doing how, what the 94 Bassmaster would do. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of the people that sign the checks are also conforming to the 94 Bassmaster standards because they were around in 94 and that's, this is how you're supposed to act. This is how you're supposed to look, but I'm sure you've seen it, you know, from a, and I, and I've seen it too, from the back end, um, you know, uh, being involved in, in sales and marketing and in the industry that the, the needle movers, Fighter, Robertson, Swindle, Gussie, Jockamson, they're, you know, a lot of them don't conform to, to normal industry standards and they move the needle more than anyone because people can relate to them. People trust them and they're not going to feed you a bunch of garbage. Yeah. And I think the most important thing you said there is they relate to them. And that's what I'm always trying to find a way, you know, it's weird. You know, I say I don't write any notes for a podcast or anything like that, but but like I do really think Thanks. through a lot of things with stuff. No, no, the, hey, and it, maybe I'm unprofessional. Like that, there's different ways to do the same thing and and find success in it. So I'm not saying that that's a negative. What I'm saying is because there's other parts of my life where I use a lot of stuff. Like I spend a lot of thing time learning about anglers and and trying to find a way for them to connect like for example joey cifuentes the cowboy i mean it, it he comes fully equipped with a nickname and everything and to me what my job is to do is to get people to relate with that like i did a podcast with him and we talked about him being in his tractor and he literally left the elite series and spent two weeks in a tractor um which to me, as a city that I am, I'm like, dude, spent two weeks in a tractor. He is a freaking cowboy. Now, I will clear that up because it turns out that real cowboys will tell you he's a rancher. He's not a cowboy. <laughs> so it's a, it was a whole argument that happened in the comments. But I just think it's cool that people, every angler, you just need to give them a reason to cheer for you other than where you're from. I mean, of course, the fine people of Kenora are going to cheer for Gussie. Of course, the people of Canada are going to cheer for Gussie, but you want people cheering for you for more than where you're from. And and uh, and I, I would say Gussie definitely has that. Gussie, you know, has that endearing. I mean, when he first joined the Elite Series, I talked to you about this. I was, my biggest worry about him was, dude is going to be too nice and he's going to get whooped on. And he did a few times, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he did the classic every year. 
<laughs> What's that? I said he made the classic every year. So even <laughs> even on the tougher tougher years, he still did her. Oh no, he did great. But uh, what I'm saying is, that you there's a. I mean, it's top level competition. I'm sure there's kids who play hockey and then they join the NHL and they're like, wait a second, this just got a whole lot faster and a whole lot more serious. And that's what the elite series is like. The weird thing is dudes like you, Jamie, and I'm going to, I'm going to burst the bubble right now. Everybody thinks one day I'm going to make the elite series and then everything's going to fall into place for me. But the difference between the elite series and anything else is I explain to people all the time. I'm like, it's, it's literally like school was like, you remember grade school, like kindergarten, you just were upset that you weren't with your family anymore. And, you know, but then you got used to it and, but it kept getting better. And by the time you got to grade seven, you're like, this school stuff's pretty good. I'm almost the toughest kid in school. I'm almost the oldest kid, whatever. You get to grade eight and it is wonderful. I mean, you spend the whole year planning the year end trip. You spend the whole year, you know, getting ready for graduation. And then you go to high school. And that's like going to the Elite Series. And all of a sudden, <laughs> you are a grade nine that somebody shoved in a locker. And you're like, wait a second, this sucks. And that's kind of what the Elite Series is like. But in time, you build that back up. You, you, And there's some that come firing right at the gates, obviously. But for the most part, people need to spend a little time there. And when I say Gussie, Gussie was always going to be competitive he's a good enough angler my worry about him was would he get taken advantage in a few situations and 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 you know you mentioned carl jacobson another dude exact same problem and i think carl had some situations where he got kind of taken advantage of or pushed around on the water and learned from them and became better and obviously he's fishing better than he's ever fished right now yeah I like that analogy, the the high school comparative. <laughs> and I think there's <laughs> there's actually people now, you know, when, when you talk to enough guys on the Elite Series and, and being entrenched in the Opens, there's, there's already people that have de developed enough of a reputation where their grade nine is going to be like eating lunch in the bathroom by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> there is it's, some it's of that. World and, and, you know, <laughs> lucky enough to have friends on both sides. So we... We hear that, and and that's kind of what I was thinking when you when you transferred it to high school. Yeah, it's and, and dude, the elite series is. I mean, it's. I don't even know how. Like, I'm amazed to be any part of it. So it is the coolest thing in the world to be part of. But it's work, and it's hard for for like. I mean, it's really hard to when you see anglers that are struggling. I mean, and there's nothing you can do. You could see it, but there's nothing you could do. They have to get out of it in their own space. You know what I mean? And not that, again, going from Gussie, not that Gussie ever struggled, but I'm just saying, like, the Elite Series just isn't easy for anyone. Like, look at Bradley Hallman's a prime example. Man, dude can catch him. I mean, he won a couple of FLW Tour events. He's qualified for the Elite Series twice, but he's had a nightmare season this year um it's tough to see that happen i i believe he'll turn it around but man it, it's competition isn't fair it, you know it, I, I wish it was you know i wish it was disney and you could write the script for people but it doesn't always work out the way it's worked out for gussie i mean a lot of guys you know there's a lot of adjustments that that need to be made when you get there and um i mean it's the top whatever in the world so 
I, I think whenever you put yourself in that group, whether it be as an actor, whether it be as a an athlete, whether it be as an angler, you're gonna realize how t- tough the top group is, and and they're very very tough. Yeah, and you, I mean you have the the fortunate but unfortunate position of watching guys break you know watching people lose their livelihood um you know and it's uh i'm sure you see it all the time and it it can't be easy to watch and and you probably don't i mean you do a really good job of of saying what you say but you know it's reality that 10 people aren't coming back next year or or however it lays out um and i wanted to talk to you you know we mentioned swindle and and gussie and yokumson and jockumson sorry um <laughs> you know and matt robertson and seth and 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 a lot of them have been on the verge of not making it back and i've, I've kind of got a theory um and it's to me it seems like when their backs against the wall they can make it happen and overcome that adversity um a lot because of their background and how they got there, you know, and the struggles they've had to go through in the past. And it, I, I feel like that makes the toughest competitor. Um, Brandon Polinuk, he didn't just show up and, and, you know, with, with his dad's credit card or anything like that and just, you know, walk his way on and, and through it's, you know, it's, it's like a deeper level of grind, you know, someone like Swindle who, who says what makes a, gr- a great bass fisherman, someone who hates framing houses. <laughs> Like you're not, I, I, I don't understand, like at the highest level, I just don't think you can beat guys like that year in and, and year out. Um, so, I mean, the, a lot of these guys are going through that adversity right now. I'm, it's got to be, <laughs> there's a lot of dynamic going on there. It's It's got to be something else to watch from the inside. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, one of the toughest dudes to ever leave the Elite Series, in my opinion, was Chris Grohl. Because um, mm-hmm. Grohl... You know, grow is such a big. I mean, nobody wanted grow not to make the elite series anymore. To, you know, to be honest, grow is that popular with everybody. Um, but it, it just, it just happened, you know. But then you look at dude, and it's so much has to do with timing. Because if you look at at Chris Grow's run on the elite series, it was almost like it took the last event until he finally said, "Screw it, this is who I am. This is the way I fish. I'm not gonna." I'm not going to worry about anything. Like, and, and I think Seth was in a very similar position. And it's weird. It's like people come to the Elite Series and they make it. You made it to the Elite Series being who you are, where whatever that is, whether that's a tournament angler from Kenora, Ontario, or a tournament angler from Osaka, Japan, you made it there because of who you are. And then they come there and they start trying to be something different. And, like, Seth was a prime example. Like, dude, Seth, you go back and look at Seth Wayne in the first two years he was on the Elite Series. There is no amazing fighter, man. I mean, he's a quiet kid that is literally trying to be, in my opinion, what he thought he had to be. And If, if I recall correctly, he did have the 94 visor on also. <laughs> he definitely tried to be what he thought the bass fishing world wanted him to be. And it wasn't until he was almost eliminated and he was like, screw it. I'm just going to have fun at these last, this last Derby and try make the final one. And he, and duty sure enough, he caught him in that second last Jersey uh, event and qualified for the final event. 
And dude, in two weeks, Seth Fighter became a freaking folk hero. Like that is the coolest thing about the job that I get to witness is you watched a quiet dude that literally before those two weeks, you could turn to half the field and be like, do you know fighter? And they'd be like, nah, I, I, I don't know him. Like he was just that quiet dude. And, and it's weird when you're not catching him in the elite series, you see a, people get quiet around you. A lot of people just, you know what I mean? It's almost that dead man walking vibe. <laughs> if when things are going bad, people don't talk around you. But Seth Fighter literally turned into a folk hero in two weeks. And that's the coolest thing about bass and the sport of fishing because you can see some, like, that's what I love about the classic every year. Every year before the classic starts, I'll sit and look at that room in our pre-tournament meeting. And I'll literally look at each and every one of them. And it never fails that I'm like, one of you dudes at the end of this is going to, you know, transcend everything. Like Jeff Gustafson was a prime example this year. Yeah, Everybody in Kenora loves Gussie. They, you know, you can't go to, that part of Ontario and not have people ask you, do you know Gussie? But to the majority of the fishing world, if they even knew him, he was that Canadian guy. Well, within three days of competition, he became iconic. You know what I mean? Like you look at the way everybody knows who Gussie is. He drives down the highway in the U.S. now and people are honking at him when they par pass him. It's, it's just cool to see like in everything that he had accomplished – I mean, up to that point, you think of all of those accolades that you know, but all of them, all of them put together didn't match what happened those three days. And that to me is, is so, that's what sports is. Like, you know what I mean? That iconic Stanley Cup run or whatever. It's, it's a moment in time, but it, it's never going to go away because, I mean, 20 years from now, they're still going to be showing clips of the first Canadian ever to win the Bassmaster Classic, and that's still going to be Jeff Gustafson, no matter what anybody ever does. It, it, you know what I mean? And that, to me, is freaking cool. Yeah. No, that was so good. And I'm pretty sure 20 years from now, I'll still be hungover from it. <laughs> <laughs> so you have – well, I mean, I don't think you were hungover that week because you just kept drinking. Well, I was, yeah, I was enjoying the moment, <laughs> but no, that was good. And, and, you know, um, man, a lot of, of what that classic is, is, you know, you're not going to want to hear this. Um, and you might not accept it, but like a lot of people in the classic stage gave you the shout out, you know, and, and, and it's not like you're, you're a big chunk of it. And everyone, you know, that grows up now, um, you know, the dream is to have Mercer yelling your name on the classic stage. It wouldn't be the same if it's uh Joe radio announcer, or, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a big part of it. And, and man, you, you gotta be proud of that. Well, I mean, I don't ever look at it like that. Um, and I'm weird that way, dude, you know, me well enough to know how stupid I am with stuff. Like I literally, I can walk out on that stage spit water up in the air like a freaking wrestler and all the dumb things I do and never once think, Oh wow, that's embarrassing. But Gerald Swindle takes the mic and starts giving me some props. And I'm like, I am just not good at it taking praise, I guess. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it, I'm a weirdo that way, but it's an honor to spend every minute I've spent on that stage. Like the, people will watch Jeff Gustafson win and be like, man, there's a, 
kid up there living his dream was there's more than one dude up there living their dream that I went to the classic every year when I was in my early twenties, uh, up to that point, I just fished tournaments and, and, um, I knew I wanted to fish for a living. And when I was in my early twenties, I was like, man, I don't want to be a tournament angler. Like I love fishing tournaments. I love, but I don't like the life they live. Like it, it's tough to be away as much as they're away and travel as far as they do for as long. Like, I mean, Paul Nick just went home for the first time this yeah. whole year, this past week. Like, I mean, dude has owned a house for three years and lived in it for three freaking months cumulatively. It seems like, um, so I, I knew even in my early 20s, I'm like, I don't I don't want to be a tournament angler. I want to make a living in fishing. So that's when I started to focus on the TV show. And thank God. I mean, it went really well and and things have gone well with that. But it's weird. So for like 10 classics before I ever worked for Bass, I would be at the classic, you know, working for sponsors or in some years I just went, I don't know why I went like, honestly, I had to explain to my wife why I'm buying it. Why are you going to, I'm like, I just need to be at the classic. Cause the classic's a weird deal where if you go once, like you think you really want to go and then you go once you're like, I'm screwed. I got to go every year. And if you don't, you're, you're miserable that year. So, but I would sit there and I'd watch somebody win every year and I'd be like, man, did I screw up? Like, not that I think I could have, in Kevin Van Dam, but I think I could have made a few classics. You know what I mean? Like you work hard enough. I, I mean, stuff can happen. Um, but then by a weird twist of fate, twist of fate, like I ended up with both. You know what I mean? And now I'm MC and the classic. I'm the. I'm never gonna win, but I'm the second last dude on that stage, and and I couldn't be prouder to be part of that. Like I literally. The only stress I ever show around that event is because I freaking love that event. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if it was an LPGA event, trust me, I wouldn't be near as nervous or jacked that I get at that event, but I, I don't get nervous in public speaking situations or anything like that, but, but the classic, you just want to give it the, what it's due. You know what I mean? It's the freaking Bassmaster classic. You want to, Nah, I don't know. I mean, dude, it's just a, it's a real honor to be up there. It's just, uh, it's one of the coolest things on earth. And I don't know how it happened to be honest. Like, dude, how the freak does a dude from Port Perry? I was born in Ireland. I live in Port Perry, Ontario, Canada. And I MC like the Bassmaster Classic, the most Southern sport. Most likely there is like, it's amazing that, you know, that I'm able to do it, but, uh, I love every minute of it. Yeah, well, I mean, you make it sound like it just fell in your lap, but uh, getting to know you the last little bit and and following along, you know, since the show and and the podcasts and and everything like that, like you're a damn grinder. Like Gussie told me you're in the lake uh, swimming with the fish to make all those underwater videos. I, I figured you just pulled them from your cameraman from the show and retread them as shorts, but he's like, no, nah, he's in the in the damn lake swimming around looking for bass that'll yeah. date in front of his camera. And and then you got that and you're you've done the podcast uh every week. Like I don't think you've missed a week. Like that's uh. people don't understand how much grind that is. So I mean I I don't accept that you know, I don't know how it happened. It just fell in my lap. Like you grinded your way there and and you know, no one deserves to be there more than you do. 
Well, no, and I'm not saying that I didn't work hard and don't work hard. I do, but I mean, it's still, I mean, there's a lot of hard workers trying to do stuff. And I mean, it's odd to think like, dude, I swear to you, the first classic I ever emceed, Bam one. And to me, and I still feel this way, like when I see Bassmaster broadcast or whatever, like when I was walking past, it was in an airport, you know, bar, I'm walking past it and I see like all the TVs at that time were on ESPN and ESPN is everywhere. And it's, it's got Kevin Van Dam winning it. And I'm screaming in the background. And I'm like, at that moment, I'm like, everything was like, wow, KVD's on TV. And then I heard my voice. And I'm like, Oh, it's so unprofessional. Why would they have that guy? But I literally still feel that way. But I think that that's the right way to feel about life. Because if I was the dick, cause there's plenty of these, everybody be quiet here goes my favorite part it's me nobody wants that dude right like i don't want to be that guy i'd rather feel like i'm living a blessed life because because i am like this is like what i get to do for a living is food like everything i do to make a living brucey is literally everything every freaking school teacher ever wrote in my report card that I needed to change. You know what I mean? Need to be quieter. I need to pay more attention. Now, all those things. Like, I don't do any of those. And it, everything they told me that would make me a failure has allowed me to make a living. So how can't I feel thankful for that? Like, I don't, I'm not saying that I haven't worked my ass off and spent ungodly amount of time and still do. Like, I think that's the one thing that everybody has to, in every sport, dude, it's work. That's what it comes down to. Everybody is talent, but everybody knows a talented asshole that didn't live up to their dreams. So talent, you can throw that out the window. Literally, it all comes down to how hard you're willing to work. And if a little bit of luck hits that work at the right time, it works out okay, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, you keep growing all these facets around you. And I'm sure you keep getting busier and busier and like where any one of your jobs is a full-time job, whether it's the, the podcast and YouTube or the fishing show or the bass MC or, uh, uh, you know, a, a marketing guy for, or a, a, a pro staff for companies there that's four. So like, how do you have so much drive to just keep stacking it on? Like I'm trying that and I'm sinking. <laughs> I, I have an incredibly supportive wife. I mean, which is really important. An incredibly supportive family that has gotten used to me not making a lot of things. But, dude, you get one shot. Like, and I honestly, like, you know, another thing that I'm kind of different on than a lot of people, like everyone will tell you, oh, you're starting a business. You need to write a five-year plan. And, and I agree with that. You should think ahead and whatever. But I also think that a five-year plan for somebody like me, I mean, dude, my dreams are too big to write down. You know what I mean? Like at the start of this, if I'd have been like, so I want to have a TV fishing show and I want to figure out a way to make a living on that. I'm, and when that's going real good, then I'm going to, you know, go get arguably the most public job and tournament announcing there is in the world which happens to be in America, I'm going to go get a job doing that. Like you, if you wrote that down, anybody tell you you're a fool, you know what I mean? Like I always equate it to like, it's like being a really good stand-up comic and wanting to host the tonight show. 
The Tonight Show doesn't hire very often. So you your timing, everything has to be right. You know what I mean? So I how do I keep it up? I just think I try to take advantage of every opportunity I can. That comes with a lot of negative. Uh, you know, I'm a mess, dude. Like when it comes to ordering product and stuff, like companies I work with need to baby me and take care of me. Like just because I'm never going to spend the time to sit in your catalog and check the boxes of I need this bait, but I do need that bait because I'm going to shoot a show with it. You know what I mean? So I have my shortcomings and I think a lot of those are on the business end of things. Like the, the, the constant, you know, my wife does all the contracts and everything, so thank God for that. But you know what I mean? Like, I don't stay on top of things as much. I'm probably not in touch with my sponsors as much as I'd like to be as as some other pro anglers are. Um, but it's because it's never, ever. And I tell them, I'm like, this is none of this is because I don't care about you. All of this is because I am an idiot. Like, you're right. Like, the underwater stuff obsessed with it dude like i spent nine hours yesterday shooting underwater stuff like nine hours literally swimming in the water holding a pole dude. but i love it i'm obsessed with it like i also feel like all of those shots that you see i work with some of the best production people there is but they're production people and there's no way they would shoot those meaning meaning that like if i sent them to a location i said hey let's get this we need a shot of a a fish eating this particular bait, you know, let's go get, they get that shot and then they pack up their stuff and be done, you know? And I, that's not an insult. That's they're doing a job. But when you're obsessed by something like I am, like, do you know, I missed two freaking calls yesterday. It was supposed to be on and I'm an idiot, but, I, but I got some awesome footage. <laughs> so I think, but I think again, being real and being willing to admit where you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't call sponsors and make a lie. I'm like, I was an idiot. I was shooting underwater stuff and I got stuck there for too long. So, again, I think it goes back to being real. Like, there's, I'm sure I'm a very frustrating person to do business with because I probably, <laughs> I wouldn't do business with me. But um, what you're going to deal with is somebody who's very obsessed. and And I think you see that. In a lot of pros, too. Like, as some of them, like, dude, the leader of our Angler of the Year race right now, Kyle Welcher, that's that dude. That's that dude who is just that focused on fishing and everything. I'm sure there's parts of his life that are a bit of a mess, you know? But I guess I'm just willing to admit it, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know, man. Keep it up, because it's uh, it's been fun to follow, but like I say, I don't think you're getting enough credit, uh, you know, from from the outside looking in. It's like, oh, yeah, that guy grabs a mic once in a while. and Oh, big deal. You got to go swimming with the fishes here and there and go do a fishing show once in a while. But like I said, that, that whole collection is all full-time jobs and you're, you're running a bunch of them. Um, but, I mean, glad to see that the that the fire's still lit. You're not just checking the boxes and, and going through the motions. And, and it's cool to see. And, and, you know, something that I've really noticed since – being a little more entrenched in the industry and in uh, the Bassmaster scene is that total collection of, of dreamers. It's not, nobody there is meant to be a nine to five. You know, no. you come from a, from a regular workplace, uh, 
a hospital or a jail or a bank or whatever. And, you know, everyone's on that same grind and they want the security, the benefits, the worries are all similar. And, you know, that's something I've really noticed. And with the people I travel with and the people I meet along the way is that not one of them is, is born for a nine to five. Not one of them is striving to get a stable career anywhere. You know, it's, it's, uh, and that's the cool part about it. And that's something I never really understood until I started meeting you guys and, and, you know, the guys touring around. So it's, uh, it's pretty damn cool. And it, it makes you, I feel like Benjamin Button, like started, <laughs> you know, at, at 19 years old, I had the most stable job, uh, you know, looking at the pension slip that says in 2057, you can retire and, and you can go fish tournaments on weekends. And, but once you get a taste of it, you just, you know, it lights that fire and the, and the dream is, is within grasp, you know, it's, it's a real thing. And, and people like you are, are proof of it. Yeah. And I, dude, I think too often in life, people look at work as a negative, you know, like I get it. Like it's all a means and ends for all of us. You know what I mean? Ultimately we just want to go fishing and whether, you know, however you want to commit to it. But like when you say about doing a lot of different things, the other way to look at it is who would you rather have shoot underwater footage? Who would you rather MC the class? Like, wait, no, I want to freaking do that. I don't want someone else to do it. I want to, you know what I mean? So I feel like people get burdened down by saying I, I'm so busy. Well, being busy is what keeps people sane. Like literally the definition, like the scariest thing for me on earth would be to be in jail and be in like protective custody where I'm stuck in a cell and I'm not, you, you know what I mean? Like to me that that's like, that's how people go nuts where there's nobody to talk to. There's nothing to interact with when my life's the busiest is almost when I'm the happiest. Like, don't get me wrong. I can loaf out on a hammock with my family for the weekend and stuff, but I'll, opportunities is that chase to me is like, I think if I had stuck with one thing, for example, like the fishing show, for example, facts of fishing started. And if I just rode that bad boy for 40 years or whatever fishing shows hosts like to ride their shows for some eternally. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think I'd get bored. Like, you know what I mean? Because to me, like the whole excitement with facts of fishing from the start was like, how do we show the sport? different and then the excitement with the you know mc and was how do i do something different you know what i mean how do i make it more and and i think that so i don't think you should feel like benjamin but i think everything is just opportunities come at different times in life and dude if you didn't do what you did the last nine years you may not be in a situation to do what you want to do the next nine years so um that's my motivational moment for you. Get out and grab life by the balls. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And one thing I want to add to, um, and this is the only thing I've ever disagreed with something that Seth Fighters publicly said, and that's that people don't, he, he said, people don't need us. Um, you know, we're uh, not like a, not like an institution where, you know, you're a, you're a officer or a, a nurse or something like that. But, I think the reality is, and, and you've seen it through, you've seen it through tough times and like throughout history where like the biggest sporting moments in life usually come when, when 
you know, times are tough and people are looking up to it. And, and, you know, I'm just seeing it now and, and like a million of the people around here that, um, you know, may not have had a chance or opportunity to live, live their dream or, you know, they kind of live it through, through folks like you and Gussie and it, um, I don't know, it, it, it lights the fire a little bit and it, it kind of keeps things moving and it's, uh, you know, it's a little bit of light. Yeah. I mean, it is an important job and, and I've, I've looked at it a lot, um, you know, from different perspectives and that's kind of what I landed on. So, (laughs) yeah, no, I I don't, I hope not to stop anytime soon, but I mean, dude, you also have to look at things in the way that like, you know, Welcher a couple weeks ago on the show, he said, um, when he talked about how he pre-fishes and how he's like, I needed to make the wrong decision to get to the right decision. And what he meant by that is like, I needed to, like, you can't just, like, just because at the end of the tournament, you know that I should have been throwing a jerk bait. You had to do the other things to figure out that clue to get there. You know what I mean? And so everybody kicks stones and is like, man, if I had figured that out a day before, but you couldn't have figured it out without figuring out that the other thing didn't work that you thought was going to work. You know what I mean? It has to happen. And I think that, I think that's a lot of people's lives. And, and I think that, so for your example, you may never have taken the risks that you're taking now if your buddy didn't just go win the classic right in front of you. You know what I mean? Like that, and it's not, you're not saying, it's just because you see what's happening. And it's just, you know what I'm saying? Like, does that make sense? Like you need to, you can't evaluate the result on the information that you have at the end, because you never would have got that information at the end. If you didn't go through all the stuff on the way there. Yeah, I agree with that. And that kind of bounces back to the, you know, when we are talking about adversity and everything with everyone grinding through it, like you wouldn't be the same person. Gerald Swindle wouldn't be the same person he was if he just picked up a rod and reel when he was 19, instead of banging nails for 10 years or however long it was. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's why, dude, as weird as this is, like, why hasn't Gerald Swindle won? And and I've never said this. I mean, maybe I've said it to him, but um, but I honestly, I've really thought about it. Like, how in the world is there a person that has accomplished everything Swindle's accomplished and he's never won an Elite Series tournament? And the only thing I can come up with is that's what makes his message powerful. Like, if you think about it, if Gerald Swindle has KVD's resume, Brandon Polnick's resume, the positive mental attitude stuff doesn't seem to have near as much impact. The reason it has more impact coming from him is because you're like, that dude has worked his way out of framing, become a professional angler, but he, it hasn't been easy for him. He's not one, you know what I mean? Like it makes his message more powerful because of where he's been. Well, and you know, maybe he Brian knew it and won his first event. Well, that carrot might have gone away and he might not have grabbed that angler of the year. Those yeah. angler of the years. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, I mean, I want him good. I'll just keep getting 40th, go to the classic every year and, and all good. <laughs> but maybe, maybe that's why he's won, you know? Yeah. It, it, and everything, I mean, winning too early is tough on people. I think, you know what I mean? Like there's people that show up and they win right away and, for some of them it works, some of them it doesn't. But I guess, I mean, it's the same thing you said about the group of people being dreamers. It's That's also the respect that we all have for each other. That's why 
I can get so emotional when somebody wins because dude, I remember five years ago when they were literally crying, thinking that there's no way like this is, I had a dream, but it didn't work. Seth fighter cried in the way home from a tournament to think of Seth fighter crying now is almost a offensive thought. You know what I mean? He is the amazing freaking fighter, man. He is the llama. I mean, but dude cried on the way home from a tournament, just like anybody else, because he thought, man, I had this dream since I was a little kid. And this dream isn't for me. I'm not good enough. But he overcame that. And I think that everybody who stands on that stage and the open stage, they've gone through that. They felt that, you know, and I think that's why that's the bond that makes it so special. You know, that's why guys cry when they win. Not because they're like, I finally won. They cry when they win because, holy shit, it worked. I did this. Everybody said I couldn't. My grade school teacher, the guy down the street that I delivered the newspaper to, you know, every girlfriend I ever dated and their parents told me I was never going to make it. And then you finally do. And one of the most amazing things to me, change the topic on you. How the hell didn't Jeff Gustafson cry at the Bassmaster Classic? Just too much of an animal, bud. You don't know his, oh, I'm sure you do a little bit, but his, uh, his whole family are, you know, the, they're the biggest competitors you'll ever oh, meet. Yeah. Um, I actually used to work with his, his dad at the jail and, uh, and yeah, he's the most competitive guy I've ever met. And it just stems from there. And they're, it, he's probably just still in derby mode. And he, like, he nailed the speech. He didn't talk about so good. how they moved on to the wood instead and they were eating his, his Bagley crankbait or anything like that. Like, no one wants to hear that. You know, he, he went right for the throat, like couldn't have, couldn't have written a better um, a better inception speech and, and yeah, just too damn good at it. Yeah. I, dude, when he started to take your kids fishing stuff, I swear to you, it's so funny because people think I'm focused on the stuff I should be focused on, but my head is always all up. But dude, when he started that line, I'm like, yes, yes. Like in my head, I'm like, this is so good. Keep going. And because that's all you want. You want your buddy to, I mean, they're all my buddies, but Gussie's a little tighter. You know what I mean? I've known him a lot longer. And yeah. when you see him win, you're just like, you just want it to, I mean, anything he said up there would have been celebrated. But I think what he said up there, is like fabled words. You know what I mean? Like one of the coolest things I saw, what is it? Um, the local library or whatever, they're putting like a plaque up and, and of yep. his words. And it'll be like years from now, you can borrow fishing equipment from the library because of Jeff Gustafson. And to me, that's freaking cool. That's about as good as life can get that one day, somebody that doesn't know you <laughs> and never knew you will look at a plaque on the wall and, and they'll know you. I mean, that's about all you can ask out of life, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the that was the perfect win. It just kind of, you know, it uh, it just was like I, I had a tough time trying to explain it to people are like, well, you, you know, that probably lit the fire under you. And like, I didn't think about my life at all when it was going on or even in the weeks after. It was just like, thank God that someone who's such a great representative of Canada, the sport or town, Bassmaster, everything like that, like checked all the boxes, said all the right words. 
And, uh, I mean, it just keeps it going because, you know, something like a sport like this is volatile. It really hasn't been around for that many years. Um, you know, if you get, if you get too many people in it who aren't, you know, don't have a great personality or, or don't care about anyone else but themselves or anything like that. And if you get too many of those at the top, um, people aren't going to relate to it and it's just going to drop off. Yeah. I mean, that's why, that's why I'm such a big fan of, of you and what you do and, and telling everyone to keep it real because without that, it just goes away. Um, you know, people, if they're not relating to you, they're not going to watch it. And it, especially something like a weigh in, like I, uh, uh, sorry, Hank, but I, I feel bad at a Bassmaster weigh-in when someone has to watch 400 people weigh in. And, uh, you know, Hank Hank does a great job. He's got 400 people to weigh in. Um, but someone sitting through a weigh-in for three hours uh, just to watch a family member or a friend or something, and, you know, you, you get plenty of drones just coming through, say the same thing, and it just kind of, it's like, man, we pick it up a little. You want the payouts and the opens to go up? You want the sport to be around. You want your name out there. Like, say something, do something. Yeah. You know, like people are sitting there for hours watching watching you weigh in. And um, yeah, I mean, so so to have someone like that that says said the right things and and you know keeps it real was that was just made it so special. Yeah, and what you said, dude, is the truth about the sport. Like, I'm tired of hearing. We're just like golf. I'm tired of hearing we're just, we're nothing like NASCAR. We're nothing like golf. We're none of us on jets. Nobody leaves. Like, did you watch that behind the scenes crap on Netflix? What is it? Full swing or whatever. You should watch it. It's a good series. Oh, yeah, I, I watched it and I thought I was well briefed on the, on, on everything. And then I heard that, uh, Liv and PGA teamed up. Oh yeah. Wow, I lost was... my golf, my golf talk. Dude, how bad have the stuff they've both done been? Like, basically, the only reason that they teamed up is like, so all your emails are going to be public when this case comes up. Oh, we're friends all of a sudden. <laughs> so, I mean, that is like a dirty, dirty. Uh, there's more to come out on that live thing. But back to our fishing world. Dude, we're nothing like golf. We're nothing like that. And if, if, if. If the amount of people that want to put in comments and stuff, and I hear them all the time, and I feel it too. Like anglers should get paid more. Anglers should do all of that is true. I want anglers to make more money. I'm always a proponent of the anglers. But if you want the anglers to make more money, here's how you do it: you start supporting them by tuning in. Because although Bass Live is awesome to us, mm -hmm. although watching the Bass Live, we don't. We're not a blip on the radar when it comes to that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? We have some highlights where it's like, hey, look at us. We outrated this this week. But for the most part, like, dude, more people watch the PGA. More people. It's just the way it is. Anglers were kind of like soccer. Everybody freaking plays it, but nobody watches it outside of inside North America. You know what I mean? And, and soccer's kind of at a height right now in our world, I think, because of MLS. But really, it's the truth. Like, every single kid plays soccer growing up. But they, how many of them watch it on TV? And fishing is that. Everybody does it, but hardly anyone watches it. So if you want things to get better for any level of fishing – Tune in and start supporting it is my 
Yeah, I agree with that. And I think a big part of it falls on the anglers too. I mean, you yeah. say it's kind of like soccer, but if you could mic everyone up on the soccer field and, and see the distinct Good personalities point. and and follow the drama that ensues and, and leading up to it, because you have a big opportunity on Bass Live. Like, yeah, you, you know, or on the stage. Like, yeah, pump your, pump your sponsors. Uh, as everyone in marketing is coming to find out that I, that doesn't work if you catch a fish on the bait and then say it. But if you just, you know, just talking doesn't work. You need a little bit of proof and you need a little personality to, or not, or a distinct personality for someone to watch you long enough to see you catch the fish on that bait yeah. and why you're using it. So, um, you know, and, and that's, uh, people can say what they want about, about Milliken. Um, oh. So but, good. I can't wait. He has to make the elite series. My yeah. nipples just got hard when you said his name. He does a, a great job at uh, bringing people into bass fishing that don't normally watch bass fishing. Because yeah. when they come in, they're going to see him get in a fight with someone on the water. They're going to see him, you know, crushing beers and whiskey at night. They're going to see him losing fish and freaking out and getting pissed off. And that's, I mean, that's the angle, not how do I catch this fish better? That's a 1% world. Yeah. So that's my thoughts on them. So wait, how many 402 jerseys you see? Like I'm predicting a sea of 402 jerseys showing up in Tulsa next year. Because I mean, that in itself, dude, shows how smart that dude is. A straight red 402 jersey, which is the area code from where he's from. I mean, to me, dude, that that connects you with people. It just and 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 everybody's so worried about this. Is this sponsor gets seen? Is that sponsor gets seen? He's got no sponsors on there. Yeah, but everybody he knows, it makes knows a very little difference whether they're on your jersey or your boat wrap or not, because he's also on the inside. Yeah, he's on the he, back end. He's genius, man. He's a very smart dude. And has proven that he's a great angler. And I think, I think he's just going to get better. You know, like, I mean, dude, he's a pretty good smallmouth angler. He yep. spent a lot of time in the St. Lawrence river uh, last year. I, I think he's, I think his highlight reel of qualifying for the elites is not over. Um, and, and dude, how stupid is that? If you look, what is he in the eighth right now? Like he has two sixties, a 20, I think a third, a first, or a fifth and a first. Yeah. And he's in eighth place. Like, dude, it's nuts to qualify for the Elite Series. Like, uh, yeah, I got him an MC. It's, it's gross. I mean, <laughs> it's out of, before we move, uh, before we get on to another topic here, I got a, uh, well, we're on Milliken's jersey topic, and I have another Canadian here. No one in the US watches Trailer Park Boys. But the uh -huh. first time I saw that jersey, all I could think about is Ricky's 420 Sunnyvale jersey <laughs> <laughs> in, in straight blue. <laughs> Tell me you didn't think the same. I did. I, I did. Well, I mean, the numbers are so so close too. Um, I did think of that. Um, the trailer park boys are the dude. They they're celebrating. They just celebrated their twentieth anniversary. What they have done is pretty amazing. Them and themselves. But I'd say Ben Milliken can he can be he can be our Ricky. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I I got a funny trailer park boys story. So I was actually lived in Matt Robertson's trailer for a week in Kentucky. 
Come on. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brad Leitner, myself, it was when you guys were at Lay Lake. Okay. And uh, I was making making Trailer Park Boys references, and Brad didn't have a damn clue what I was talking about. So every night we'd get back from fishing and just have a marathon of it. You know, he's telling his buddies, he's dropping bubbles quotes. And, <laughs> you know, we've got a full, full Trailer Park Boys household now. Wow. <laughs> I'm surprised he hadn't seen it. Like that's, I don't know Brad at all. Very little. I think I've met him once maybe. Um, but I would think he'd be in the trailer boys world. Like I think he, like, here's one that'll blow you away, dude. Do you know who does a great bubbles? Keith Combs. Keith Combs does one of the best bubbles impersonations you've ever heard in your life. But boy, you've got to be very select group to ever hear it. Wow. <laughs> He's that is probably one of the last people on earth that I would have pegged for that. Oh, he's one of the dude. He's a project for me. Cause he's one of the funniest dudes ever. Like he does a Mark Davis impersonation that like he does Mark Davis better than Mark Davis. And I love Mark Davis, but I mean, dude, it is, it's incredible. And I, me and him have had literally had arguments this year at the classic. We had an argument on the stage that nobody got to see. Cause I'm like, I don't know if he made the cut. I don't think he made the cut into into Sunday, but whatever it was, it was going to be his last day weighing in. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and I'm standing there and I've got the microphone. I'm waiting for the weight to come up. And I put the mic down and I'm like, you do a Mark Davis today, right? And he's like, no. And I'm like, I'm going to ask you to do it. And he's like, don't ask me. And I'm like, I'm going to ask you. They will love it. And he's like, don't do it. And I'm like, they'll love it. And in between the mic being down, I chickened out. I wasn't, I mean, if he's not ready to do it, I'm not going to put him on the spot like that. But dude, oh, I'm telling you, when he finally does it, it will be incredible because people, it, I've never seen somebody watch it and not love it. I mean, it's great. But Keith is, like a lot of anglers, has a hard time letting that part out in a public arena wow that's awesome Weird. i really want to that's all i want to do now is just hear him do bubbles do you guys do bubbles i know you had bubbles on the show you're obviously a big fan I'm big fan big fan um i i know him somewhat through a friend of a friend um mike's his name and uh good dude they love fishing him and uh ricky and julian not so much but uh you know who loves fishing? Uh, what's his name? Gosh. Uh, the dude with um, Randy that never with wears Randy. a shirt. Loves fishing. Loves fishing. Obsessed with it. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's cool. Bobanaran. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gold, bud. Um, I don't even remember where we're at now. Um, all I'm thinking about is keith combs doing bubbles but i, thanks I wish i could phone, you want me to phone him right now and see if he'll do it on the oh please do oh my god see this is how i'm bad at being a podcast host because i'm calling him to do this on another podcast <laughs> just call him and be like hey keith i got like two of my family friends from canada here and they just want to hear your bubbles okay we're, we're going we're calling okay let me put let's see if this works he probably won't even answer can you hear that? Oh, yeah. Good, good. Shh. See the kind of juice I have with people? 
Hey, this is Keith Combs. I'm probably on the water right now. Uh, probably not. Name, a short message, and I'll call you back. At the tone, please record. Well, your gotta message. leave my message, right? When you have finished recording. You may hang up or press one for more options. Hey, Combs, it's Mercer. I got a bunch of people here, and I bet them $100 that my buddy from Texas could do the best Mark Davis and maybe even Bubbles impersonation ever. But you didn't answer, and I looked like a douche. So you cost me 100 bucks. Thanks. Call me back with an impersonation if you can. All right. I left him. I, mean, I like it. I mean, I'll throw it all out there for you. I mean, I'll put an effort in. Um, I was going to call you back when you're going to bed and you're going to get a bubbles impersonation just before you go to sleep. I'm going to send it to voicemail and then you're going to insert it in this show. And it'll be, it probably won't work out, but we tried. I mean, nobody that tuned in can't feel like we tried to disturb Keith Combs with his great impersonation. (laughs) Valiant effort. And I appreciate it, bud. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold you on here forever. There's a. There's a million things I want to talk to you about. Um, but I've already. I've already chewed up enough of your time. We know how valuable that is with everything you've got going. Uh, anything you want to say before we hit the bricks here? No, you're good, dude. Anytime you. Uh, I. Anytime I really enjoy conversations like this. We just had a real conversation about stuff. You know what I mean? So to me. I mean, the hard podcasts are just the like, you know, how many strands on your spinnerbait does, you know, how many skirts strands do you have on your spinnerbait? Like those things to me, those get, but real conversations like this with real people, I I mean, I'm all for. So feel free to call me anytime, like right in the middle of a podcast. Just give me a call anytime. I'll try answer and give you an impersonation or something. Oh, yeah. Watch the Mercer podcast every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Um, like everyone already wasn't watching that. <laughs> wow. But yeah, it, it is gold if, if you haven't tuned in yet. Um, facts of Fishing. I don't have cable anymore. I haven't had cable in 10 years, so I haven't watched Facts of Fishing in a little while. But That's, It's on YouTube, too, and My Outdoors TV and a lot of places. So, um, It's on plenty yeah. of platforms. What's that? I said you're all over. You're, un- you're unavoidable and uh, happy to have you in the industry, bud, and um, you're, you're yelling on the classic stage is motivation for plenty of people that grind their ass off, sleep in their truck and work a little bit harder. Well, thank you. I do have one thing I want to say though. One of the coolest things from the classic that I will say, and I think your audience will dig is dude, many years ago, I got to go fish KBI in Kenora and I'll be honest, I was an arrogant city I mean, I live in an hour and a half from Toronto. So if you go up to Kenora, I'm like, I'm from the city. Um, But I thought all our tournaments were, you know what I mean? I was fishing CFT and all these different things that were supposed to be the biggest, baddest tournaments there was out there. And I went up there and I saw this community. And I've also done the Rainy Lake deal. So I got to see both of the big, like the big, big tent events and stuff. And dude, people you guys live in one of the best parts of the world one of the greatest communities and i i mean this was 20 years ago and i still talk about that tournament and to me when gussie won the classic that's why i brought it up on the stage because all that kept going through my mind is how everybody just wants to ride through the tent like i just want to go for a tent ride that's you're made it in that week and yeah. and 
it was just really cool to watch a kid who got pretty good at riding through that tent, ride through the biggest tent in bass fishing. And um, I, I think that Kenora as a community is a very special place. And I don't know that you guys probably, you guys may think it living there, but sometimes it takes somebody from out of town to point out how special everything that happens there. And um, I thank them for being the community that they are. Well, I'm sure they appreciate that. And and sometimes it takes someone from out of town. Sometimes it takes someone leaving the town and, and going to fish similar events and coming back and telling everyone how great they have it. Like I yeah. will literally lay down on the rail railway tracks, probably not literally, but I'll do anything I can to keep that derby going, uh, you know, maintain it. And, and without that tournament, there's no Jeff Gusseson. That's no true. Canadian Bassmaster Classic champion. You don't, get, you don't get to that level by fishing Tuesday nighters with three people watching. It's, um, you know, you need that atmosphere. You need that three days, that motivation to, to make sense of, of heading down south and, and trying to make the whole thing work. So, um, if you're thinking about doing KBI or volunteering or helping out or anything like that, uh, Mercer and Kevin Van Dam are actually coming this year. I checked both of their schedules. They're clear. Yeah. Um, so uh, that might not actually happen, but you just heard what he said about the tournament. It is very special, um, you know, great, great chance to volunteer, uh, hone your skills, or just save up 800 bucks and get an ass whipping like we all did. In the <laughs> it, but it's a great event. Like you travel, you can get an ass whipping anywhere and leave, feel bad, but you'll feel good about the ass whooping you take at KBI. I mean, it, yeah, you'll it, feel a lot better after we got Shred Kelly's, the, the band this year. They're, uh, you know, pretty popular folk band, and usually when that happens, the party goes wide. So she's going to be a good one. All right. Well, I don't know if I'm fishing the tournament, but maybe me and KVD can come up just for the party. All right, bud. Yeah, I'll pull out the couch. You boys can come up anytime. <laughs> Make the elite series too. Where are you sitting in in points right now? Uh, four four spots out. Dude, I like your chances. Where where and where you got ahead? Uh, St. Lawrence River. Like it? Uh, the other two, I don't know. Lake of the Ozarks and Watts Bar, Tennessee, and then Florida in October. So it's, uh, we'll say this. I'm enjoying the moment while it's here because there could be a train wreck coming my way or could get a few lucky bounces and um, you can watch me break on stage next year. <laughs> well, I would love that. I would love that. Um, dude, whatever's me I mean, I hate the same, but I do believe it. If you're meant to make it this year, you're going to make it. If you do the right things and if you're not meant to make it, you might look back and be like two years from now, after you do make it, be like, man, that was, thank God I didn't make it then. Like it, it Hey dude, here's a, here's a story for you. This will keep you motivated. Last story. And I got lots. Dude, do you know I applied for, and I don't think I've ever talked about this in a podcast. Do you know I applied to have the job that I have at Bass five years before I got it? And they wouldn't hire me i did not yeah well so fish fish burn emceed for years and i guess that was right around the time espn had bought it and everybody knew that there was some <laughs> contract deals with fish burner or whatever they knew that fish was done with bass um yeah. and dude i am the world's biggest fish fish burn fan i, I thought he was great but so they were going to hire a new mc so several of the guys that i knew um said hey you you need to send a demo tape or something 
And dude, Fish Fishburn was their MC. So I had done like a stand-up tour and a bunch of different stuff. So I'd like all these characters and crap that I'd been doing. I'm like, this is perfect. I'm sending all to them. And so I send them a demo tape and they're like, they didn't even like ask for an interview or anything. They're like, uh, yeah, we're not interested. And uh, I was like, well, why? Like I was shattered at the time. I'm like, oh my, like I'm going to get this job. It's time for me to be the Bassmaster MC. And just like anybody's dream to qualify for the elites, I was just a shattered. I was like, man, I'm never going to get this job. If they, they wouldn't even have a meeting with me. So I, I pestered the person who was doing the hiring and I called her and I said, why, why did you not, why is there no interest in it? And she's like, to be honest, we didn't want to hire another. And this was her word. She said another personality because what she basically, you know, she said Fishburn is Fishburn. And when Fishburn's not there, you notice he's not there. So, I think I think Fishburn hung them out in a few contracts <laughs> and said, I'm not you held out, did the sports move. And they didn't want to be put in that position again. So when they replaced Fishburn, they actually replaced him with three different people. The initial plan was to have Keith Allen, Robbie Floyd, and Don Day. And Robbie still works for Bass, does the on the water stuff. Don Day is the voice of God. That's that's the term in, when you work at events, VOG. He's the introduction guy at the classic when you hear from Kewatin, Ontario, Jeff <laughs> Gustafson. That's him. It's not me. Um, so they still work with Bass, and Keith no longer does. But, dude, the weirdest thing in the world is, like, I actually applied for that job and didn't get it and thought, like, I'm screwed. There's no way. And then five years later, through a turn of weird events, you know what I mean, I still kept MC and events and my name ended up on somebody's desk and I ended up getting hired. And I swear to you, I'm so thankful I didn't get it five years earlier because I, I mean, I just know I would have done something. I mean, I needed, <laughs> I needed, I, I just, there was too much testosterone flowing through my body at that time. You talked about riding that line. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have been riding on the other side of the yellow. But uh, but it, everything happens when it's meant to, and I'm thankful that it happened. And and dude, I would love to have you on the Elite Series. You you would be a great addition. Appreciate it, bud. Thanks for your time. Thanks hey. for your stories. Thanks for continuing to make bass fishing weigh-ins watchable for non-bass tournament fans. Well, thank you for tuning in, and thanks for having me on, bro. All right, bud. Appreciate it. Check out Mercer's podcast. Check out Facts of Fishing. Follow him on Instagram at Facts of Fishing. At Dave Mercer. At Dave Mercer. He on, no, it's Facts of Fishing on Instagram. It's at Dave Mercer on Twitter. And Dave Mercer, Facts of Fishing. Tr try it on either. You'll find me. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll talk soon. And uh, enjoy your break. I know it's not going to be a break, but we'll uh, look forward to watching you on the big stage again soon, bud. All right. Chat soon. Okay, take care, pal.